you have a Bible, if you have a Bible, please uh, open up to the book of Exodus. If you do not have a Bible, uh, right now I want you to run to the back uh, on the either side of the sound booth, y'all. We have Bibles for you that you can borrow, um, <clears throat> that you can open up and follow along with us. You know, when I was, while you're getting those and while you are um, flipping to Exodus chapter 12, you know, when I was in middle school, y'all, I thought, I thought this, I thought that being serious about Christ was like something to do when you were in your 20s. And I don't know if there's some of y'all here tonight who maybe you're in that place. Like it's fun to be in church sometimes. It's fun to hang out and play games. Uh, maybe you're here because you, you like this person. Uh, maybe you're here because your parents are like, you gotta go. Uh, maybe you're here um, because your one hope is to, is to win a prize or something like that. But I, I just, I'm so hopeful and I'm so, I'm, so, I'm so hopeful, I think hopeful is the best word for it, about you and about this community. Like, I want y'all to know our goal for the harbor is not to just have, like, a really fun night, even though we want to have a really fun night. But ultimately, oh, man, whoa. All right, if it keeps going, oh, you shut me down. Wait, is it still on? Oh, it's still on. Okay, it's hard to tell. Sounds like we got it right. All right, so my goal for y'all, I just want y'all to know this. My, my heart's desire for y'all and for this place is to be a gospel community. Like we were talking about it, me, Caleb, Heather, and Eve this week on Tuesday, we were talking about like you guys and about what we want the harbor to be and how you play a part in the harbor. We, we want this place to be a gospel community. And what I mean by that is a community centered on the person of Jesus Christ. In a gospel community, you, you see the effects of a gospel community. Here's what you see. You see a bunch of imperfect people but people who are able to forgive one another, why? Because we ourselves know how much God has forgiven us. You see in a gospel community, not perfect people, but you see people who are eager to invite others in because at some point in time, whether it be a, a friend, a family member, somebody invited us to hear about Jesus. You know, Caleb was telling me even tonight that there was a student here tonight who brought a friend for the first time from school to hear about Jesus. Like, that is so awesome. And, and I want you all to get this, and I want you to get this now, that being serious about Christ is not something for your 20s. If you're in sixth grade, like, being serious about Christ is something for you right now. If you're in ninth grade, if you go to public school, if you go to private school, if you're homeschooled, being serious about Christ is something for you right now. And tonight... We're going to get into the word. We're going to get into this story called the Passover. Um, before I do that, let me pray for us. If you would pray with me, and then we're going to dive into this. Um, and we're going to look at the Hebrew Scriptures. Father, I thank you for tonight, God. I thank you so much for every, every person that you brought here tonight. For whatever reason, God, I pray that right in this moment, you would remove the spell. That right now in this special time where we get to hear your word, where we get to set our eyes, God, on who you are and what you have done for us, God, I pray that you would fill us with wonder. God, would you make tender our hearts, God, to hear the gospel, to hear the good news 
God, and I pray for these things. I pray that you would bring life to them, God, that you would bring life, Lord, that you would bring this love and a desire to follow Christ with all that we are and all that you've made us to be. And I love you. And I thank you so much, God, that we can gather and enjoy our time together. May you be glorified, Lord, with everything that I say and do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so I mentioned we've been going through this series called The Thread. And what we're looking at, we're walking through the Old Testament, and we're seeing these stories that really um, are stories you've probably heard growing up. Like if you had one of those picture Bibles growing up, these are stories that may most likely have been in there. But these are stories also that a lot of times when we hear them when we're young, we actually miss the big picture. We miss who it's really about. And tonight, we're going to look at one of those stories. Last week, if you were here with us, uh, Caleb talked to us about Abraham and Isaac and about how Isaac was really a picture of Jesus, of the one who was going to come, of the son who was going to be offered up as a sacrifice. And you see all the similarities of that. And listen, this is one of my favorite things about God's word. Like as I've grown and as I've um, spent more and more time in God's word, y'all, like it has only become more amazing to me. It has only become more rich and enjoyable for me to spend time in there. It's like there's so much to it. It's so rich, and there's so much more beyond what we see on the surface sometimes. And tonight, as we talk about the story of the Passover, it's going to be like that. We're going to see one of these things um, where it's a story we've heard, but a lot of times it's something that we never perhaps have heard the real main point of it. So there's three things I want to share with you, three things tonight that I'm going to walk through with you. The first thing I want to walk through is just what is the Passover, right? Raise your hand really quick. I'm just curious if you've ever heard of the Passover. Raise your hand if you've heard of that. Okay, so about maybe half of us have heard of the Passover. So I'm going to walk through what is that exactly. The second thing I want to share with you tonight is why is it a big deal? Uh, Because it's a huge deal. And then the last thing is what does it mean for us? Like the story we're about to read happened over 3,000 years ago, yet it is a huge deal for you and me today. It's a huge deal. So open up your Bibles. Exodus, Exodus actually chapter 11 is where we're going to start. Um, what is the Passover? So just to catch you up really quick, um, Egypt, uh, you know, the big pyramids, right? Egypt used to be like the superpower of the world. Like Egypt had it all, and God's people found themselves living in Egypt. And what you need to know about Egypt was that Egypt was a a place and a people that did not like God's people. Like they actually hated God's people. They made God's people slaves. They oppressed God's people. And so God, in his love and in his mercy to his people, it says that he heard their cries for help. God answered them, and he rose up this guy named Moses. Moses. And so here we pick up in this passage, right, about Moses who is going to lead the people to freedom. Moses is going to lead the people to freedom, and God is using Moses to do mighty things. And God 
has already walked through and delivered the nine plagues. We know that there's a total of how many plagues? Ten plagues, plagues all together. Well, we're going to pick up in verse 4 of chapter 11, where we're going to pick up, God has already brought the nine plagues. These include turning the water into blood. This included bringing frogs, gnats, flies. He killed the livestock. He made all the people have like gross boils on their skin. He brought hail down from heaven. He brought locusts to wipe out all the crops. And then he brought darkness over the whole land. And what's amazing about this story is Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, every time God did one of these crazy things to show Pharaoh and to show everybody that God was the king of the world, not Pharaoh, every time he did that, Pharaoh still refused to let the people go. And so it brings us to this 10th plague. It brings us to this thing that we now are going to remember for the rest of history, for the rest of of time. And this 10th plague is special. Like there's something different about this 10th plague. It's unique. And it's also more devastating for Egypt. And it is going to be the plague out of them all that is going to actually end up letting the people go free. All right, we're going to jump through. I want you to see verse 4 to 6 of chapter 11. Here's what it says. This is God speaking to Moses. It says this, So Moses said, Thus says the Lord, About midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die. The firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who is behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor ever will be again. And so this is God's instructions pointing them to this last and devastating plague that he, he is going to kill the firstborn in every family, whether that be the people or even the animals. Skip down to chapter 12, verse 3. Chapter 12, verse 3, here's where it continues on. It says this, Tell all the congregation of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, every man shall take a lamb according to their father's houses, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then he and his nearest neighbor shall take according to the number of persons, according to what each can eat, you shall make your count for the lamb. Listen to this, verse 5. Your lamb shall be without blemish. That means this lamb is to be a special lamb. It's going to be clean, no spots, no wrinkle. It's going to be a perfect lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male, a year old. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and you shall keep it until the 14th day of this month when the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill their lambs at twilight. Verse 7, and then they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and the lintel of the houses in which they eat it. So I want you to see this picture. Look at this picture of what God is instructing the people to do. He says, you're going to do this. You're going to take a lamb, and this lamb has to be perfect. It has to be clean, and you're going to kill this lamb. And when you do, you're going to take the blood, 
And what you're going to do is with a with grass, with greener, you're going to dip it in the blood and you're going to put it over the doorpost of your house. That's what he's instructing them to do. And look at the reason why. Verse 13, same chapter, verse 13. Here's God's giving the reason for it. He says, the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And no plague will befall befall you to destroy you. When I strike the land of Egypt, this day, verse 14, shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. So here's what God is saying. He's saying, put this blood over your doorpost. And what I'm going to do, this blood is going to be a sign for me. Because remember, God is the one in control. God is the one who is bringing judgment to this nation. He's bringing judgment to this nation. And anybody who does not have this blood over their their doorpost, they're going to suffer in that same judgment. And so he's speaking to them. He's speaking to them in love. He's speaking to them in his mercy for them. He's speaking to them because it is God's heart that his people should not suffer. Like, you need to know that. I don't know what y'all came in here tonight thinking about who God is. Like, I don't know what your your thoughts are on God's heart, on his nature, on what he thinks about you, on what he thinks about his people. But his heart is his commands to us are good. And you need to know that. And you're going to see that as we go on. Look at verse 21. Verse 21, chapter 12. Read to verse 24. Then it says this. It continues. Then Moses called all the elders of Israel, and he said to them, Go and select lambs for yourselves according to your clans, and kill the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of hyssop and dip it in the blood that is in the basin and touch the lintel in the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. None of you shall go out of the door of this house until the morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and will not allow the destroyer to enter your houses to strike you. You shall observe this as a right, as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And then in verse 28, then the people of Israel went and did so. As the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. You know, I see that and I love that about this. Like, I don't know what the Israelites would be thinking of when they heard this. Like, do what now? take a lamb, kill it, and, and put the blood over my house? Like, you can imagine, like, they're, to me at least, I'd be like, that, that's confusing. But you don't see any sort of questioning. Literally, God speaks, and it just says this. That's all it says. They went and they did so. Sometimes, I, I don't know about y'all, but I know for me, I can complicate a lot of things that God says. Like sometimes we can complicate things God says, or sometimes we, we, we just don't want to hear what God says. 
And think about these people. Think about these people. They've been suffering for over 400 years. Like, they've, they've been in hardships. Like, they, they've seen people um, oppress them and, and hurt them and kill them and harm them year after year. And now they get these instructions from the Lord. And it simply says, they went and did so. Last little chunk I want to look at, verse 29 to 32, Exodus 12. Here is where we see God following through with his word. Followed through with his word. At midnight, the Lord struck down all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon, and all the firstborn of the livestock. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where someone was not dead. Then he summoned Moses and Aaron by night and said, Up, go out from among my people, both you and the people of Israel, and go, serve the Lord as you have said. Verse 32, take your flocks and your herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. The tenth plague, the last one, deals this devastating blow to Pharaoh, and he's like, be gone. Y'all just leave my nation. I can't have it. I can't do it, deal with any more. It says like this whole nation was just crying out in the night because the firstborn was dead. And see, what's interesting about this, y'all, is this was such a huge moment. But God didn't just let this be a huge moment and then just, it was like, okay, boom, that was cool. But it, was, it, it freed his people. And not only did it free his people, but God also says, listen, I want you to do this on a yearly basis. I want you to do this ritual. I want you to do this, celebrate this moment for the rest of your lives. Generation after generation, you're going to go on and you're going to do this ritual every single year to celebrate and to remember what I did. I don't know what y'all's favorite holiday is. My favorite holiday is Christmas. Anybody? Christmas? Yeah, me too. I love Christmas, right? Uh, Christmas is fun. I want you to think about this. I want you to think about how you and I and how we love Christmas and about how on Christmas Day uh, we give gifts. Um, we do all that. We have fun. We spend time with our families. But Christmas, obviously, we celebrate Christmas for a particular purpose. Like we celebrate Christmas to remember Jesus, to remember his birth. Well, you need to know this. The Passover to the Jewish people was so much bigger than that. It was so much bigger than how you and I look at Christmas. It wasn't just a day. It was something they did a whole, I think it was like 12 days they would do this. And they did it every single year. And it's all centered around the lamb. It's all centered around the lamb. The animal that they, on a yearly basis, would sacrifice. And, and, and just so you know, having a lamb back then was a big deal. That wasn't like you and I, um, how we view animals today. But back then, that was like wealth. That was a, a valuable thing. It was valuable to them. They didn't have dollars back then. You were rich based on how much livestock you had. 
You had a lot of livestock. You were rich. And so sacrificing a lamb was really valuable. So that brings us to this question, though, why, why is this actually a big deal? Why, why is this that big of a deal? Well, here's what you need to know. The Passover was, first of all, it was God's way of showing the world how great he was. Like God is the ruler of the universe. He's the creator of the universe. And when sin entered the world, you have people turning their back on God, rejecting him as king. It's not just what the Egyptians did, but it's also what God's people did, rejecting him as king. And so you see God showing the world how great he is. That's the first thing. But the second thing, and the thing that I want you to see tonight, that the Passover was God's way of pointing the world to Jesus. The Passover was God's way of pointing the world to Jesus, who himself would be the ultimate in the final Passover lamb. Like Jesus is our Passover lamb. Here's what you need to see. Here's how it looks. Jesus, like the lamb that had to be sacrificed at, at Passover, was spotless. And so for you and me, not a single one of us in this room can say the same thing about ourselves. There's none of us here can say, I am spotless, meaning I am without sin. Yet Jesus, completely without sin, never made a single mistake in the way he thought, in the way he spoke, in anything. So that's the first thing. The second thing is this lamb had to be sacrificed at Passover, and it had to be the best. Remember, it was sinless. It had to be the best. You know, you know that when God the Father sent God the Son into the world, that God gave us his absolute best. Sometimes we get in our struggles and we get in the things that we're going through, and I know it is hard and we feel struggles. We feel it inside, whether it be mental, whether it be emotional, whether it be things that are going on at home, in school. I just want you to think about this. God could not have given us anything greater than he gave us Jesus. Like there is nothing more valuable than that God could have given us than when he gave us and Jesus, here's the third thing about how you see this parallel. Do you know when Jesus actually died on the cross? Do you know what week it was? It just happened to be Passover. And so Jesus is not only the spotless lamb, not only is he the absolute best offering, not only did Jesus um, die on the cross for us during the Passover week, Jesus is also your and my only way. Listen to me. Listen to me. Jesus is your and my only way to escape God's judgment. This is the greatest love story that the world has ever seen. That Jesus would enter into his own creation. His own creation with a bunch of us, people like us, sinful people who turn our backs on him, enter his own creation in his love for us to die as a sacrifice for us, as a lamb, as a spotless lamb. Look at what, look at what John said when he first laid his eyes on Jesus 
John 1.29, it says this. The next day he saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. You know, one day, y'all, I'm going to stand before God. And I'm going to stand before God. And in that day, when my time comes or when Jesus returns, and I stand before God, in that moment, it's not going to matter how I dress. In that moment, it's not going to matter, you know, how popular I was. It's not going to matter in that moment if I went to church sometimes. It's not going to matter if I even like some of the things Jesus did. It's not going to matter if I was even baptized in that moment. There's one thing that is going to matter, and it's this. When God looks at me, is he going to see the blood of Jesus? Here's my question for y'all tonight. When God looks at you right now, does he see the blood of Jesus? You see, obviously in the Old Testament, we see this story. The application is not, all right, y'all, I need you to go kill a sheep and go put it over your uh, bedroom door. No, it's not. You see, when Jesus came, he gave us very clear and simple instructions. He said this he's in Mark 1.15. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe in the gospel. Those simple instructions that the Israelites heard from God and just they went and they did so, these are the simple instructions for you and me today. To repent, y'all, means to turn away from our sin. It doesn't mean that we're perfect, but it means, hey, because of who Jesus is, the Son of God who lived a perfect life, died in my place on the cross so that I can be rescued from God's judgment, his righteous judgment, and rose from the dead three days later. Because of that, I repent of my sins. I turn away from them, meaning I'm not living in them anymore, and I trust in Jesus. You see, to trust in Jesus, and this is my particular heart for y'all, because it's also my fear for y'all. My fear, what keeps me up at night because of you, what, what keeps me up at night because I, what I don't want you to miss is that simply believing Jesus is real is not the same thing as trusting in him. Do you trust in Jesus? And you can find out if you trust in Jesus by this simple question. Where, where is your confidence? Where's your confidence? I mentioned to y'all one day that I'm going to stand before God. But that's also true for you. One day you're going to stand before God, and when you do in that moment, and if God asks you, why should I let you into my, my paradise, into my heaven, what would you say? What would you say? Would you point to some good things you've done? Would you point to how you're better than the person to your left or to your right? Or would you point to the blood of Jesus? That is how you and I can can find out if we trust in him. And so for those of you in here who have never done that before, for those of you in here who have never turned away from your sins and trusted in Christ, I want to encourage you to do so. 
You see God's heart in this story. You see God's love. You see God pointing, using this Passover story to point us to his own son. Why? Because of his love. And if you've never done that before, I want you don't leave tonight. Don't leave tonight without doing that. And for those of you in here who know Christ as your Lord and Savior, my encouragement, my challenge for you is this, is start every single day of yours just thanking him for what he's done. Like this, what Christ has done for us should lead you and I to be overflowing with thankfulness nonstop, right? That's my challenge for you tonight. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm going to pray for us. I know there are some of y'all here who, um, you know, in your heart, there has been this reluctancy to give your life to Christ. I just want to encourage you. I want to challenge you. I want to share the truth with you. God, in his rich love for us, gave you his own son, the most valuable, precious thing he could ever give, and he gave his son to be a sacrifice for you. And in his son, when we when we trust in him, when we repent of our sins, the Bible says that we get to experience this joyful relationship with him now in this life and also for all eternity. If you've never done that, don't leave here tonight without talking to a leader, without talking to somebody. Give him your life. And for those of you who do know him, I pray that every day would be full of thankfulness. Father, I thank you so much for every student here. I thank you so much, God, for the story. And I just thank you so much, God, for giving us the best thing you could ever give us. And I pray that you would be glorified. I pray, Lord, that in every student's life here, that you would be at the center of their heart's desires and the center of their love. And that they would live for you and turn away from their sins and enjoy a relationship with you, God, that you purchased by your blood for us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.